Yeah, the national security order, what it basically says is that your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the United States. Therefore, you cannot share it with with anyone and anybody who you've shared it with <laughs> you need to notify them. so yeah it it basically uh shuts shuts down thousands like michael was saying uh of inventions that could uh you know help help our situation on this planet you're listening to exopolitics today with dr michael sala your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. It's my great pleasure to have Dan Willis back on ExoPolitics today, and he's going to tell us about his experiences with some really fascinating new energy technologies and work with top inventors and scientists and actually introduce us to one today. So welcome, Dan, to the show. Oh, pleasure being on your show again, Michael. Uh, this is going to be the first time I've publicly ever shared this experience of uh, over 10 years of working with scientists and inventors around the planet, vetting technologies. So, um, And I'm very honored to be able to uh, and bring on a scientist that uh, is incredibly brilliant that uh, will join us on the show here shortly. Well, that's that's fantastic that you're doing this for the first time. And I know you've been working with some top inventors over the years. So why don't you begin? How did how did where did it begin for you? Your work with these different inventors and scientists on working on new energies. All right. Um, I prepared a little 15-minute slideshow, which I can narrate, and feel free to jump in and have a question. And uh, so uh, here we go. Okay. Um, May of 2001, an event you're very familiar with, Michael. They got you fired from the university. Um, Dr. Stephen Greer gathered hundreds of military intelligence witnesses, 21 of them willing to go before the mainstream media of the world at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., give their testimonies, and each state they were willing to testify under oath before a congressional hearing we were seeking. I was one of these top-secret military witnesses that testified that day. Most of uh, testimonies were given which the mainstream media completely sanitized and suppressed from the public's awareness using what the intelligence community calls a limited hangout they didn't want these uh incredible testimonies uh into the public mind uh the disclosure project had scientists that were willing to come forth which have been working in highly classified black budget unacknowledged special access programs that contain technologies that would allow the world to no longer be dependent on fossil fuels, coal, nuclear, and other dangerous and obsolete polluting sources of energy. The Bush administration denied the congressional hearing. So Dr. Greer formed an organization to identify and test new technologies in the civilian sector that claim to be over unity, that is, they put out more power than is required to operate and do so renewably and without pollution. Because of my technical background, I volunteered to be one of six technical advisors, of which uh, Dr. Eugene Malov was one of our six who was murdered before releasing important information to the public. 
The other technical advisors, although less active, all had multiple PhDs in science and physics. Myself not having a PhD was primarily self-taught with many decades of hands-on electronics experience and out-of-the-box technologies. How all this began? Well, this, the little journey started when uh, I asked my future wife, Rebecca, to join me uh, for a little trip down in our Airstream motorhome from Oregon to the International Gym Mineral Show in Tucson, Arizona, to acquire a quartz sphere, quartz crystal sphere. Um, here we're crossing the Golden Gate Bridge heading down to Arizona. When we arrived in Tucson, we found this amazing 10-inch quartz crystal sphere from Brazil and some other goodies at the uh, gym show. I've been listening to the radio and I heard Dr. Stephen Greer had identified an inventor in the, in the Dominican Republic who created an energy device producing many, many times over unity power. One night sleeping in the motorhome, I kept thinking about this energy device and felt compelled to sit up and say to Rebecca, I think the professor needs my help. Rebecca, half awake, <laughs> was getting flashes of uh, you know the professor on the TV show Gilligan's Island since we never mentioned, I never mentioned Professor Ted Loiter to her before. I then explained to her that Professor Loiter was working with Dr. Stephen Greer to bring forth an energy device from this inventor. Being the situation that the professor was a teaching professor of earth sciences at the University of New Hampshire, and that Dr. Greer was a retired emergency room physician, both having little knowledge on electronic circuits to be able to schematic and reproduce this energy device. It only made sense that I would help them since I had an extensive background in electronic systems, working with the Naval Electronic Systems Engineering Center in San Diego for 13 years, as well as researching out-of-the-box technologies, such as those I joined Dr. Marcel Vogel in his laboratory researching. I called Professor Loiter, and he very much agreed that my technical background in electronics would be extremely helpful in bringing this technology out to the world. So we left our motorhome, parked at a friend's house in Arizona, and Dr. Greer had Rebecca and I fly out to Virginia. Dr. Greer rented an apartment down the street from Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, which was to be used as a makeshift laboratory and validate these technologies. The apartment was completely unfurnished, so Dr. Greer brought over a few folding tables and a wicker couch. We went out and bought an inflatable bed, and that is where we stayed for several months, meeting with scientists and, and vetting their technology claims. Dr. Greer set up a corporation called Advanced Energy Research Organization, otherwise known as Arrow. We had several meetings at his home there in Virginia. Here's myself and our associate, Dr. Greer and uh, Professor Ted Loiter. The first major project to work on was to vet and reproduce the energy device that was down in D Dominican Republic. Professor Loiter and Dr. Greer originally flew down to the Dominican Republic to measure the device. Dr. Greer said he didn't want to see any batteries connected to the device. So what the inventor did was to create what's called an earth battery using, using rods in the ground connected to capacitors in the front yard of his apartment. The output of the earth battery was measuring to be only about one watt and was powering the device, which was powering almost 500 watts of loads connected. The loads were 300 watt and 100 watt light bulbs, an electric fan, 
and a radio boom blaster playing Caribbean music. This this operated for over two hours, uh, just being connected to this earth battery. So the professor and I get on a flight and arrive in the Dominican Republic for the purpose of blueprinting and drawing out the detailed schematic of the device so it can be reproduced. There's just one major problem. When we met with the inventor, he said that just before we arrived, that two CIA agents appeared at his door and told him that, quote, if this works, you're dead, unquote. So the device that was previously measured was completely disassembled. The inventor didn't want to risk his life and told us, don't worry, I have another type of device I can show you. Dan, so, before you go on, yes. I, I just wanted to get some clarification with that earth battery and the way the picture shows it just anchored into the ground. I mean, is this kind of like drawing energy from the earth? Is, is that is that the sort of thing Nikola Tesla uh, had done some work in? I, I recall him being able to kind of like show how you could have lightning come out of the earth. And there's been a lot of research done on the earth being uh, mm. having a lot of energy that can be discharged as lightning. So lightning doesn't just come from the sky, but can also come from the ground. So is this earth battery kind of connected to that potential it's a of the earth? Different. It's using uh, the similar metals and just forming uh, in earth, uh, not, not a very high output battery but uh, was able to accumulate and store in the capacitors and just enough to give this motor uh, ability you had to hand hand spin it and once it got going it started generating its own power and putting an output but that was enough to get these cia agents out there to shut this inventor down oh it's 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 a it's a bad story yes <laughs> all right um uh, back to our nightmare story here. Um, and so um, it was completely disassembled. He didn't want to risk his life. So we uh, ran around this foreign country attempting to assemble all the electronic and other components of this new device. That, and we were finally able to get it operational. My job was drawing out the schematic and component list and detailed instructions, which would be sent by various carriers, DHL, FedEx, UPS, in the event that the professor and I get whacked on the way back, someone would still be able to reproduce the device. So a little drama ensues where uh, I'm drawing out the schematic and instructions. The inventor is a French Canadian, which the Hells Angels in Quebec, Canada, knew of this inventor's talents and wanted the energy device for their marijuana operations in Canada to power their growing lights so they could completely operate off the grid and stay undetected by the authorities. So one of the angels shows up on his Harley with a girl in the back. He shows the inventor an attache case with a lot of money to buy the energy device from him. The inventor refuses, and the angel speaks to him in French, saying, well, we'll have to kill you then for it. And the inventor responds with, no, I'll kill you first. So the situation is getting ugly quick. The angel then turns and leaves and says, quote, I'll be back and we'll kill you and your friend over there, you know, pointing to me. I asked the inventor, does he have any weapons we could defend ourselves with? He says, don't worry. Meanwhile, the professor is missing all this wonderful excitement and is off somewhere giving a report to Dr. Greer on his cell phone. 
professor returns and we update uh, here's a here's a picture of the inventor myself and uh, professor loiter the professor returns and we update him on the situation the inventor invites us to go to a chinese restaurant <laughs> it turns out that uh, this is where the head mafioso kind of guy who runs everything hangs out the place looked like out of a hollywood movie set with everyone had weapons such as uzis ak-47s the inventor explains to the head guy the hell's angels situation it turns out that the inventor previously put an energy device on board his yacht so they were good friends he says to the inventor no problem we'll take care of it apparently this group had a reputation that was greatly feared by the hell's angels and in a matter of hours the hell's angels came back to the inventor's place and apologized to us for the uh, misunderstanding so this new energy device the way it was configured we were not able to adequately confirm its viability due to the huge battery banks that were connected with it the professor wanted to bring back the motor unit that was connected to the bank of batteries and apparently a miscommunication happened between him and dr greer who would have preferred not to bring back anything that was not totally verified which makes sense nevertheless we brought back the, that, that component and i was able to wire it up and reconfigure it and get it running with components from electronic stores in virginia but it was never able to perform as the one that was originally disassembled in an attempt in our laboratory you can see my wonderful supportive wife rebecca uh attempting to we were uh working off of photographs and diagrams that we had to try to recreate the original device without success Dr. Greer flies the inventor to the University of New Hampshire, where he and I stay at the Professor Leiter's home and use the university's machine shop to begin construction of yet another device in the professor's basement. <laughs> I'm running all over from different states and different counties, getting different gauges of wire and ordering different parts from different electronic suppliers. And we put this whole elaborate thing together. And yeah, no cigar, another dud. So one of the brilliant uh, inventors that I met, not all of them are, are like this. Some of these are like out of their backyard inventors. Others are incredibly brilliant scientists, such as this uh, Dutch inventor who wrote multiple volumes on the advanced calculus of the dynamics of electron flow that was able to demonstrate the principles of generating power at our lab. Sadly, he was found dead in his car at the airport parking lot before flying to Europe to patent his little device about the size of a shoebox that was producing about 140 watts of power out of the environment. Here you can see him with uh, copper sheets and toroid coils that were configured to draw the power out. Uh, uh, Dan, Dan yes. uh, in terms of that inventor, um, was there any follow-up on you know what it was or how he died i mean was this i mean it sounds very very suspicious i mean it, it sounds like someone obviously didn't want this guy going off to europe to patent his invention and just you know bumped him off i mean is this pretty much what others kind of concluded was was there any kind of follow-up done on that it does kind of appear that way doesn't it <laughs> he was uh, slumped over the steering wheel in the uh, long-term parking lot in the airport and we know the uh, intelligence agencies have heart attack weapons. 
So, uh, and he was just about ready to go patent his device. And so, um, unfortunately, no, I kept meeting with different inventors, different situations. It was just ongoing with different. Here we, here we have a meeting with a professor Thomas Bearden, some of uh, you out there who are familiar with uh, the cutting edge energy technology knows he, he was a legend. He was in the military and doing advanced concepts of, of over unity that uh, he was creating a device called the MEG, which stood for the motionless electromagnetic generator. Another legend in the uh, over unity that he was uh, gave to Watson and won uh, uh, energy conference that was producing five kilowatts with a uh, using a Tesla switch, and he became very very famous for that. And he's made a lot of uh, John Bedini made a lot of different devices. I worked with him for many years. Um, I traveled a long trip from Oregon to his lab in Hayden, Idaho, numerous times. Sadly, John and his brother, Gary Bedini, mysteriously died. Uh, seemed very odd on the exact same day. Um, again, again, uh, I mean, how, how did he die? I mean, was this, uh, I, I know they've had heart attack technologies. I mean, that was the Church Commission, what, 1976, 77, that it was revealed that the CIA had heart attack technologies. So again, was this the kind of situation where that kind of technology could have been used? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the church committee. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, I tried to get some information. Nobody could give me any information. I knew, did know that his brother Gary was had ill health. And it could be just coincidence that, you know, when somebody who's very close to you, they were very close brothers, you know, one person has dies and the other person gets a heart attack immediately after because of the, the grief, you know, it could have happened. Uh, so I don't know, but it just seemed very odd, like within the, within the same hour that they both died. Um, so, you know, it could be some of these inventors have like kill switches, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, something happens to them and then this information gets released. Um, so I... I don't know. Uh, Bedini studied all of Nikola Tesla's patents and created a number of patents himself, of which I carefully studied all of them. The interesting aspect of these other forms of energy is that they don't follow the normal rules of physics that are taught, such as when putting a load on the device, the device actually generates more power. Small wires conduct large amounts of power that would normally require larger wires. And as more power is drawn from the load, the wires get colder rather than warmer. Here on uh, Bedini's oscilloscope, you're watching energy pulses move forward in time, as is normally displayed on, on a scope, as most technicians know. But here you see the darker pulses at the same time. While one is moving forwards in time, the other is moving backwards in time. It's almost like they're tapping into this other mirror world where everything is in reverse to our known laws of physics. Uh, Bedini was using his uh, different timing circuits, you know, based on Nikola Tesla to capture the radiant spike at a certain point when, uh, when energy flows, just before the current flows, there's this huge radiant spike that 
Tesla would capture that would pull energy from the uh, Dirac Sea, as they, they call it. And he was created a number of rotational um, motor generators that uh, utilize that principle. But again, we had <laughs> uh, years of trying to work with him and nothing was able to really pull on a load. Uh, Dr. Greer had identified a military man who um, gave us a design for an antimatter type device. After ordering a lot of exotic parts and working with a local machine shop, the device was ready to be activated and tested. Because of the nature of the radiant signal this device would emit, which the NRO satellites could detect, we rented a temporary hotel room, which the three of us activated it. Yet, uh, you know, another dud. Um, <laughs> you know, in brief conclusion, I'm leaving out an enormous amount of decal and several other inventors and scientists that I worked with. Note that everything listed here is not exactly in chronological order, but after so much intense effort over so many years to bring out an energy solution, the only thing that kept me persevering was that I found it incredibly hard to believe that the dozens of scientists and inventors that I met with, that anyone would go to that much trouble to deceive what they claim. Nevertheless, it appears that some of these people were in fact delusional or had other integrity issues. Sadly, the real solutions brought about by some people were suppressed by either threats to their life, national security orders, or outright murder. Apparently, at the stage of my understanding of global control mechanisms in place, I was apparently naive to think a solution could be brought out to serve the people of our planet. This venture started out in 2003, continued on and off for over 10 years until 2014, at which point I completely surrendered the idea of attempting to bring out alternative energy solution out to the world with so many elements that are working against that from being realized. Today, I realize that these solutions will only be allowed to help humanity once the deep state controlling elements are removed first. So, one of the last uh, on the segment going on a long journey, uh, attempting to bring out the solution, we returned to our friend's place in Arizona where Airstream Motorhome has been parked for quite a long time. My friend in Arizona had a business in the 90s and hired my internet services to promote his product. I figured out the search engine algorithms in those early internet days and made him very wealthy in the process. He happened to have a helicopter in the backyard of his rather large Arizona estate. There was one more inventor to vet that was located in Sedona, Arizona. So he flew Rebecca and I to Sedona to meet with this inventor. And we land at the Sedona airport. Considering I haven't been even begin to scratch the surface of all the inventor stories and drama that Rebecca and I experienced, I realized that anyone as a potential mate uh, that could persevere through all that must be my future wife. Rebecca was amazingly supportive in all that we went through because she sincerely felt that we were on a quest to do something for the good of humanity. And at the airport uh, vortex, as it's called, uh, it's a spot where I asked Rebecca to marry me. And so from that point on, we uh, headed home back to Oregon to our uh, peaceful, quiet, off-the-grid mountaintop home. 
And uh, that uh, ends the story. Uh, and one of the brilliant, incredible scientists that I met along this journey, whom I become friends with, is Dr. James Schwartz, who I've had the pleasure to introduce to you on our show today. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I think it's great, really wonderful that you found a soulmate that can accompany you and support you during this journey. I, I know what that's mm -hmm. like. I mean, to have a supportive partner really yes. makes all the difference and a, a, an incredible amount of energy that you can direct when it's focused on the betterment of humanity, when you have a, a partner that's on that same mission with you, and certainly... Um, that I think is essential for anyone that wants to to really crack this very difficult nut of whether it's extraterrestrial disclosure or new energy inventions that you do need that support because it is very hard. And, and you mentioned some of the forces aligned against you. And um, yeah, so I, I, I remember hearing a lot about this Aero project and the Sirius project that uh, Dr. Stephen Greer organized after the 2001 disclosure project, but you've presented, I guess, the the kind of the kernel of what what happened during that period when uh, he was flying along with some of his technical advisors, including you, to different scientists and and trying to bring out this technology, but was frustrated at every turn. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Yeah, and Angelica has been incredible and um, doing the graphics and things uh I, I, you know, so amazing you were, you were censored on the last one um yeah uh speaking of censorship you know the uh, the our technology has been suppressed for so long that goes you know goes all the way back to the beginning of the 19th century you know it was not only dealing with anti-gravity free energy but also medical breakthroughs that, uh, here's uh, Dr. Schwartz is here to join us. Well, fantastic. Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, very do, happy to have uh, Dr. Schwartz join do, us uh, now. So, Dan, tell us do, do, a little do, bit about him. Yes, um, in my <laughs> journey of uh, scientists and inventors, uh, I've met one brilliant scientist who is highly credible, who's built a number of energy devices that uh, were functional, and he's received national security orders, unfortunately could not release all of them. He's uh, done some in incredible research. I can't even begin to scratch the surface of what this man has uh, worked with. One of the things that I felt was extremely fascinating was that uh, he acquired and verified through the U.S. Navy uh, one of the uh, magnetic signal gen uh, generators, rather, that was used on the USS Eldridge in the famous Philadelphia experiment, and verified that uh, it was able to get it functional and created a dimensional portal. And we'll go into that and other things. But it's my great honor to uh, introduce uh, Dr. James Schwartz. Well, thank you for for being on the show, Dr. Schwartz. Um, so, so Dan, I think uh, people would love to know about this uh, generator from the Philadelphia experiment uh, that uh, Dr. Schwartz got. So do you want to tell us about that? Well, the old, the old one I found was uh, in a junkyard there in uh, San Diego. 
uh, I was I, I used to go there a lot looking for scrap military stuff, you know, because they have a lot of good uh, uh, electronic parts they didn't destroy. And uh, I ran across that frequency generator. And at first, I couldn't figure it out because it's pretty rusty and all and uh, need a lot of work. I've, I've taken it completely apart and then put it back together. I, I got it working, but I haven't found out the function of it. haven't uh, been able to get it to function like it's supposed to. What, what did it look like? I, and, and how did you find out that it, it came from the USS Eldridge? Well, it had a tag on it. Um, uh, oh, well, it was uh, a small, small brass tag. It was on one side. You can see where they tried to knock it off. And it was hanging by one rivet on there. And it, uh, it had a government number on it. And when I tried checking that government number, they, they claim there's no such number. Um, but somebody else told me that uh, all of those numbers uh, end, ending in uh, 7174, 7174, all had to do with the Philadelphia experiment. So you got your hands on some equipment from the USS Eldridge that was part of the Philadelphia experiment. And it was made by the Tesla company, by the way. Well, I never got it to function very, very good. It's not putting a signal or a vibration or anything. Uh, it lights up and everything, but I, I can't get it to function. I don't, I don't have a schematic to go by, you see. So it's, it's going to take me a few more years to uh, figure out uh, what's missing on it. But there's something else missing. So why don't you tell us about this kind of creature that that emerged this interdimensional creature when the uh, generator was when you uh, reworked it and got it operational what, what happened oh yeah <laughs> that well that wasn't with this uh generator this was um, a frequency generator that i built myself see when i when i gave up my medical practice at uh Cedar Sinai and told them to go take a flying leap. They threatened me and everything. So I knew I'd never be able to get a position anywhere as a doctor in California. So I set up my own little clinic there on Sepulveda Boulevard. And uh, when we, we was doing some experiments in my little laboratory there. And um, that's when uh, all of a sudden the wall right by a plant there you see it, it, it like a hole there. And then this small creature that looked kind of, kind of like a monkey. Um, yeah, that's it there. Yeah. You see the plant back there? Um, and, and something I didn't tell you about that before, that plant is growing uh, two to three times faster after that happened. But now this was, this was taken with my uh, secretary. She has this little brownie camera with um, this flash bulb, you know, on it. You have to have a flash for it. And she, she got that picture of it. And she claimed that she could hear something from it, from this creature, but she didn't understand what it was saying. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, I think you said something like the, the it, uh, creature was it, saying, it what are you about people that. doing? What do you want? <laughs> or something like that. That's, that's what, that's what uh, uh, 
Kathy said, she said that uh, it was she, the way she understood it, it wanted to know who we were or what are we doing. Another interesting aspect you did was with a lab wrap, we, a two-inch wood cutting oh, block that was yeah. able to go through, walk through the two-inch cutting block to some yeah, cheese I had, on I the set other up side. two cages. Yeah, I set up two little bird cages there that I got and with, took the doors off of them. And then I put a, a two-inch uh, chopping block that you use for cooking in between the cages. And I put this white rat on one side and the food was on the other side. And we tried for weeks and weeks to try to get that, uh, find out if that rat could go through that piece of wood. And it, when it happened, we weren't there to see it because the uh, frequency generator was on auto load. It would go through a sequence and then it would flip over. It would go through another sequence. It flipped over, it went through another one. I made up a crude uh, device, uh, switching device for the frequencies. And uh, when I came in that next morning, one morning there, I went in there and the rat was in the other side of the cage, went right through the wood, uh, but the rat was dead. So I done an autopsy on the uh, rat and I found um, in the, cell structure of the rat was wood, wood cell structure that was mixed in with the structure of the rat's uh, cells. Hey, you modified your frequency generators to be able to go down to very, very small increments. Yes. And so, I, I and so somewhere in the auto load, there was one exact frequency that I guess opened up the molecular structure of the wood and the rat saw the cheese and went for it. Well, I, I had a, a, some, some old notes from uh, Tesla, and it, it scribbles some different uh, things on there. And uh, it it's had something to do with his work that on at the uh, Philadelphia project. Uh, and I guess in one of the notes there, he was really mad about something. Uh, you can see where he he was making some marks there, and all of a sudden he just he just starts going like this, scribbling out over everything, you know. And then later on down the page there, uh, he mentioned that uh, this whole damn thing is a waste of time. <laughs> oh, now you were over at the Wardenclyffe facility in Colorado that Tesla had set up, and you were you modified some uh, ground penetrating type radar and was able to find some boxes that were buried like three feet under the ground of wood and wrapped in burlap that had Tesla's papers in it? Oh, the boxes I found, that was in uh, his, Colorado, his Colorado lab, those wooden boxes we found there. Um, but at the uh, Wardenclyffe site, the, there's an antenna below ground. Um, gee, and I, I got, I'm trying to figure out how to send it to you. I gave it, to, I, I printed it and gave it to my wife because for some reason, I, when I tried to load it and send it to you, it wouldn't work. So she scanned it in her computer and sent it to me. Now I can send it to you and you can see 
the antenna at the bottom at 126 feet below ground. And on each corner, um, there was four boxes on there. And there's no way of knowing what's in those boxes. But there's uh, some kind of a compound or something in there. Now, and uh, all those receipts that I uh, got of, uh, from the hardware store uh, there, there was some chemicals in there. Um, I can't remember all the names of it now, but uh, he was using some uh, uh, sulfur. Uh, um, he bought a, a 50 pound bag of sulfite there and he had a few other things. And what those were, I have no idea. I have no idea what. Oh, so the but boxes that were buried, they were just held. Uh, the, the round antenna. Oh, I was saying that the boxes that What's were that? buried at the Wardenclyffe site, they had like at substances. The in them. Oh, yeah. The, those, those are my nightmare notes, we call them. Uh, so many of them are damaged and everything. Uh, all, almost every one of them has got some small damage on them. Uh, some are missing pieces of paper where the paper fell apart, you know, kind of. Um, but we've, we get little bits of information here and there, but not a lot to help us very much. The only thing that helped me was I was able to create those, those uh, small rods that he was using to power his car. Oh, the Piercero, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's the one we manufactured in Japan and wind up going to jail for. I spent yeah, eight days. 63,000, wasn't it? Uh, no, yeah, no, it's all, all together it was 68,000 of oh. the, uh, uh, the 300 watt. And then we had uh, the 900 watt ones. We had, we, we had only about, uh, a little less than 600 of those. Oh, people could use those so badly. I mean, but you received the national security order, which you, you, you sent to me and showed me. Um, and so the world is enabled to benefit from that incredible uh, creation that you, uh, you put together based on Tesla's information. By the way, that... Um... That information you set there, uh, I went through that. It's quite long. And uh, that's where you guys were uh, experimenting with uh, anti-gravity and stuff. There's a picture in there of that uh, uh, government, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It, it, came, it came from the patent office. But when I, when I looked at the one that's in your picture and I compared it to the one I have, they're, they're almost perfect image. Everything is the same word for word. The only difference is mine had my name and everything on it. So just to kind of like clarify here that, um, I mean, that the US Trademark and Patent Office, I mean, they have a, they give a num numerical number of the number of secrecy orders that have been issued, which today stands at just over 6,000. So 6,000 inventions have been suppressed through these secrecy orders. So you're, one of these secrecy orders applies to this invention that, that you made based on Tesla technologies and you mass produce 
68,000 in Japan and you got a national uh, secrecy order dropped on you. And so that, so, so that secrecy order, how long has that been in the application for? I mean, uh, is there a time limit on that or do they just kind of keep renewing it? Uh, yeah. no time limit. Um, it's it's worded and everything exactly like that uh, uh, that article that uh, Dan sent me. Uh, it had you know you were much younger then I noticed <laughs> uh, when you were working on that those different uh, anti gravity stuff and all that didn't didn't turn out good. <laughs> Uh, oh right, there, yeah, that was uh, Otis Carr, right? You'll see the that uh, that same government uh, page in there, uh, same color and everything. It's identical to mine. Uh, the wording, nothing's changed. The only thing difference is is uh, uh, the information about me and everything on it. And I got another one, but it was uh, uh, an audio that I didn't get to to. Uh, copy it was on a telephone conversation that i got and he was claiming to be uh, one of the officials from the uh, u.s patent office and uh, he called to tell me to make sure that i cease and desist from this particular project that i'm working on and it cannot be patented he didn't didn't give his name or anything and you know what gets me i, I noticed on yours it's in that uh, video that or that uh, article you sent to me he, nobody signed it nobody took the responsibility to sign it so hmm. we would to keep us from knowing i guess who hmm. why why would they do that you'd think because it's such an official document or whatever it should be signed by by somebody yeah the national security order what it basically says is that your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the united states therefore you cannot share it with with anyone and anybody who you've shared it with <laughs> you need to notify them. so yeah it it basically uh shuts shuts down thousands like michael was saying uh of inventions that could uh you know, help help our situation on this planet. Mm. And it's it's worth pointing out that this um, secrecy order um, that uh, there are certain categories of inventions that fall under that. that. And I think I can do a, a share screen of the secrecy order that you were talking about. So that's what you were talking about, right, Dan? That secrecy order. That's yes. the one. That's that's the exact one right there. That's it. But you see where it says secrecy order and everything. But now mine's a little different at the top. They printed my name. I and removed your uh, your personal uh, address, uh, James. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. That, that... Oh, so that's that's why it's different then. Right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that then. But you see down at the bottom where it uh, says. Uh, what secretary of uh, what was that commerce? Right. I can't read it. Yeah. There's no signature. So they sent you one of these for a device that you produce mass produce that could that could create 250 watts. So we're not talking about a tremendous amount of energy, but nevertheless, they thought that that was 
such a national security threat that they had to shut it down and issue you one of these letters. Are you you're speaking about the incident in Japan now? Uh, yeah, just the, the the Japan incident and this national secrecy order letter okay. that you got. Well, the, well, the court paper, uh, my lawyer got to see it and he showed it to me. And it had that same information that you just showed me there typed out on a, a, a page. Um, and they was using that against me in Japan also as a rule. Uh, and I told them, I, I tried to tell the judge, well, I have never applied for a patent for those two rods because I didn't figure it was necessary. And I, and I, and I didn't think they would give it to me anyway because of the, I've been refused, you know, so many times on different things. So um, it was a wasted effort. So the same people that were dealing, uh, trust, were, uh, prosecuting me there in, in uh, Japan is the same ones I think were involved in uh, uh, my talks with the patent people. I don't know. I'm, I'm still so confused over the whole thing. It doesn't, to me, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, that uh, and that paper I had to sign, which, you know, I, I use NDAs all the time. When I when somebody comes here to see my generator, that they sign an NDA, okay, and I give them a copy and I keep a copy. See, but the ND, the, this agreement that I signed in Japan, uh, the judge handed it to me and said, "You either sign this or you go back to jail." And I, when I read it and everything, basically the part I didn't like, it said you cannot create or manufacture these rods any on anywhere in the world any place no country and when i tried to ask the judge uh well this is a japanese court and i'm being prosecuted in a in a japanese court why is it i can't go someplace else and do it and the judge said uh um, this information is confidential. Yeah, it's a global control mechanism. You were, they didn't you have some physical intimidation, like your cars being blown up and that sort of thing? Oh yeah, <laughs> I still have all the pictures of it. See, see, I have a small parking lot in in my uh, place there in the Philippines, and all my people, you know, all park in that one area. Well, where my van was. I pulled in there in the morning. It was exactly about uh, five five forty something in the morning there in uh, Philippines. Uh, the next one that came in was Arnie. He parked on the left side. He parked his vehicle there, and and then uh, 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 who was it? Uh, no, yeah. It, it, it was it was Mabel's car, but Mabel didn't bring it that day. See, her daughter was was trying to learn some stuff, uh, office work that we're doing. So she drove her mother's car and she parked it on the right side of me there. Now, when it went off, it wasn't like a normal explosion. Like you see on TV, when it blows up the cars flying through the air or something. 
everything is sitting just like it was, but all three of the vehicles, especially mine, were burned all the way down to the metal. There was nothing but metal left. The seats, the springs, every all the metal, uh, everything else. So when the FBI came out, they said that it was an incendiary device uh, that burns very, very hot. Um, and it was set off by a cell phone. So evidently, they didn't want to kill me. They wanted to warn me. Um, and I, I, uh, that particular incident, when that happened, that came right after I'd, I'd just done a, uh, a demonstration in Dubai at one of the universities there. I took one of my small little prototypes. It, it won't run more than an hour, hour and a half at the most before it, it'll burn itself up because it's not attached to the earth. But it's good enough for a demo to show the basics, how the plates work and everything, and how the frequencies cause the plates to release their uh, electrons. Uh, so I have a question for you, and, and, and that is, so... Definitely, there are different government agencies that want to silence you or stop your inventions from seeing the light of day. Were there efforts to recruit you? Did scientists approach you working with different government projects and say, we, we would like to have you involved in this project or that project, or, or maybe you could work on your invention within one of our facilities and we'll you know, finance you and all of that? Well, they, they didn't treat me like they did one of our other people. Um, Stanley Myers um, worked, worked with us in the Philippines for several years. He was one of our technicians there um, before he mysteriously died. Um, Stan Myers? Yeah, and he was approached by some government officials who wanted to make a deal with him to work in a government facility. And he refused, but nobody's came to me at all. Nobody. The closest I ever came to an official was that uh, that day in court in Japan on the eighth day uh, when my court came up and uh, there was a table about 20, 25 feet away from me. And there was two gentlemen sitting there with suits and ties, no tags, no no id everybody else in the courtroom uh officials except for the judge of course all had name tags you know and they gave me a name tag to put on me when i went in because i had a prison uh uniform on that we have to wear in a jail there um that's the only time and it's the closest I've ever been to one to any official and they refused to talk to me I wasn't allowed to ask them questions. And uh, I think my lawyer was a waste of time and effort because he, he didn't do anything to help me. You know, he, he was controlled by the judge and those two gentlemen sitting over there at the table. And they handed the, uh, the document uh, to the assistant there in a court that assists a judge and he took it up to the judge the judge read it and then he, he called me up there in front of the 
uh, bench and he handed it to me and he asked me to read it out loud. I want to make sure I read every word. So I read it out loud to him. And then he, that's when he said, now this agreement, you either sign it right now or you go back to jail. And sooner or later, sometime or another, when all the evidence is finished and everything, you'll come before me again and then we'll sentence you to so many years or whatever, you know. But I didn't want to go through all of that, so I signed it. I agreed to not produce those small uh, devices. I was. So even, can you maybe explain, you know, why you were jailed for just having someone in Japan manufacture what sixty-eight thousand of these things? Well, see, I had a very close old friend there, uh, Tamasaki, and uh, he introduced me to one of the well, one of the government officials there in Japan, he's like a congressman. Uh, and he was very interested in my small rods. And then he brought in this other government official uh, who was a little bit higher up in the government than him. He would be more like a senator, you know. And uh, over a period of about 45 days or less, uh, the three of us came to an agreement. Uh, we each put up uh, $270,000 each. Uh, and later on, the two of them put up some extra too, an another forty or 50000 besides that. I wasn't able to, to add any more because I had already uh, overcharged myself on that, that project. And we all went together. We rented a place there outside of uh, the main city area. The rent was real cheap. It was an all metal building, very cold in there. Uh, we had to run these uh, uh, furnaces, these, uh, what do you call them? Construction heaters in there. We had three of those in there to keep us warm because that building wasn't insulated. But we made the, we made the dyes, uh, we, we set up everything. And uh, with that small amount of money, we didn't, we can't uh, we can't do what I would have loved to have done. I wanted to make something a lot better than that. Uh, what we were using we were using solid blocks of um, uh, aluminum, and uh, they were real thick. They're about seven, little over seven inches thick, and they were uh, two feet wide and three feet long and they had holes drilled on them. Those holes were the exact size of the rod. Now we were mixing the compounds in there. And then after they were mixed, they had to be hand poured in every one of the holes. And then there's another piece of aluminum on the top with the, uh, uh, the uh, stainless steel uh, pegs that fit the hole exactly. They're precise. And it comes down and it puts pressure on the dry compound that we put in there. You see, there's no, there's nothing you can add. If you add uh, anything to the compound, like, like cement, you have to put water in it in order to get it to harden, see? Well, Tesla wasn't using anything. He must've been using pressure and he was pressurizing. And so that's what we were doing. We were taking that powdery substance and we, we were compressing it. And we had uh, over 14 tons 
of pressure on the on the top that was pressing down. Then it then it comes up a little higher. Then we add some more compound to it. Uh, then it comes down and presses some more. Then it goes up. Uh, it takes about nine different presses in order to get the rods at a certain length. And then they have to be drilled by hand. So we had a, a, a jig set up and we had uh, 12 drill presses in there. And a man was working on each one and he would set them in the jig and he would drill them. He'd drill them a half inch deep. And then uh, we put this, uh, um, we need threads on it, you see. So we, we buy this threaded material and uh, it, it's made out of aluminum also. And uh, we cut those out and we press those down in there. Now they're ready. Then uh, I have pictures. Uh, we, we put some advertising in the paper there in Japan and I can show you the advertising and you'll, you can get an idea. James, how were you tapping the power off and, and what type of power and how much were you getting off of the unit? Well, you see there's, between those two rods, one of them ha has one extra compound in it. And that extra compound um, is the, uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, the, the, the arsenic, hard to get uh, uh, what we needed there in the Philippines without ordering it special. Uh, so the ones we made in the Philippines uh, we had to make changes in, uh, in Japan. So we, we were using magnesium powder uh, to make up the difference. So between the arsenic and the magnesium power, powder mixed with the other chemicals and everything, one of them, now they didn't work until you put them on the board and you got the right distance between them. Then they would produce energy. Then you have positive and negative there. But if you put them any further apart, they don't work. Now, and what what did you measure for uh, for power? Was it DC? Yeah, it was a DC power. And and how many watts were able to be uh, generated? Well, there's supposed to be three hundred, uh, but every batch that came out, like if the first batch that came out. Uh, over half of them didn't didn't work, so we had to discard them. Only half of them actually worked, uh, and each one seemed to be a little bit different. Uh, I the, see the problem was we had all these uh, um, grinders in there because we had to polarize everything into powder form, and I'm afraid we when we have to clean the machines and everything, we didn't get them clean enough. And you had some of the, op the opposite powders in there that you shouldn't have. So, so some of them were uh, 200 and they, they go from about 247 uh, watts up to about uh, 293, somewhere right in there, 93. Well, with today's uh, automated uh, <laughs> 
you know, uh, manufacturing processes is probably a lot easier. I just want to make a comment uh, for the viewers not familiar yeah. with Stan Myers. I didn't realize that uh, Stan Myers was working with your team. It wasn't mysterious that he died. He died of a botulism that was put in his food. Yeah. He uh, made two steps and said, I've been poisoned. Uh, our, our team we were working with, with, with Dr. Greer, had put a bid in for all of Stan Myers' equipment after he died. Yeah. Another group outbid us, and so it was out of England. And the five people who acquired that technology, oh, yeah. all of them have died. Are you the one that got all Stanley's equipment? We uh, attempted to get it. Yeah, uh, you know he was uh, working with the uh, Navy. He was uh, familiar with radar systems and you know waveguides and everything. And uh, he had uh, he had quite a bit of equipment, and so we were attempting to acquire it and see if we could reproduce. Now, for those who are not familiar with Stan Meyer, he was able to make patents on how to drive an automobile on just water, and he was able to do that. He had a little dune buggy that he had running on water. Um, and of course, the oil industries <laughs> wouldn't like that too much, but it was, you know, um, everybody could retrofit their automobile to run on water it'd be non-polluting and wouldn't have any oil concerns would we uh but yeah another group outbid us and all that all members of that group have uh have died well we still have some of the when he was working with us there in the philippines uh, uh that was uh 1992 i think something like that 91 or 92 i can't remember now um he was using our equipment there uh, and he we still have that uh that small uh, briggs and spratt briggs and stratton engine that he brought there and that's what he was using uh he was uh, running that briggs and stratton engine off of his hydrogen yeah, I've, I worked with a number uh, of inventors trying to city built there. work out a you know splitting the uh, but you see the hydrogen. We didn't we didn't learn that he was dead until uh, almost seven months after he'd left. You know, so we had no idea. And that last uh, seven months before he died, he made a trip there, and I wasn't there that day. Uh, uh, only my son was there, and my son's the one that uh, told me, he called me on the phone, told me that Stanley's here, he wants to talk to you, you know, and he was asking, uh, he had some questions, you know, he wanted to know, first he needed to borrow some money, you know, so I said, okay, no problem there, you know, uh, but then after that, we didn't hear from him for a long time. And then by the time I found out he was dead, uh, I, I tried to find out about his equipment that he had in his garage and at his house there. And uh, nobody, nobody would answer my uh, questions. Yeah. Well, James, uh, your latest invention is kind of exciting. I shared with Michael Salad the uh, video of you know doing a proof of concept of a little plastic box that just has some plates and a circuit board, and it's powering a uh, thousand watt uh, 
helicopter spotlight. You know, I, I show, share that with him. The flux power generator. Oh, oh yeah. I can share a, share a screen here. Here's, here's a plastic box that holds the plates and the circuit board. And um, here are, um, here's in your, uh, your setup with your, your latest design powering all these, all these light bulbs you can see. And here, here you can see the plates and hooked up converting the energy into AC with an inverter there. And you have quite a, quite a bit of circuitry in order to... Uh... Well, we'd... Uh... Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry oh, about that. Yeah, I that forgot to hit the hard. share button. Right. Here's the plastic box and the plates. Uh, this was powering a uh, helicopter uh, thousand watt uh, light. Here's in your... Um, yeah, the most, the most we've ever got out of that, yeah, that small prototype is the one that we used to give a demonstration in Dubai. And that's the one that I guess the, uh, we, we suspect it was the oil cartel people. They got scared that we were going to manufacture those things. Because see, the, the, the room where we were working there at the uh, university had a bunch of fluorescent tubes for lighting in there. Um, and uh, they, there was a, about four or five engineers in the front row there and they wanted to do these tests and stuff. And I said, the only thing that we would allow was an amp gauge or a voltmeter, nothing else, no oscilloscopes. So they, they were running these tests and everything. And uh, at one point they wanted the lights all turned off all the uh, the fluorescent tubes. So the caretaker went in the back and he shut all the lights off. And then uh, he came out there, he had a flashlight. And uh, this one engineer that was sitting in the front row, he pulls out this small fluorescent tube out of his bag. And he takes the tube and he goes all around the, my device because See, he thought we were transmitting the power somehow because there's no, no wiring going to it at all. And uh, his amp gauge, he knew, you know, we, we were using right in the neighbor. That particular day, uh, we were only putting out about uh, less than 900 watts, but we could still light up that helicopter light. Uh, the thing is with my technology, there's various places on the earth where it works better than other places. The closer you are to the equator, the better it works. If you, if you go all the way to the North or South Pole, it quits working at all. It no longer works. Say, that's, that, that's the one thing that the uh, grid people don't like. They don't like the idea that it, uh, in some places you have to have more plates in order to get uh, one megawatt output than in other places. If you get close to the equator, um, which, which makes sense. Now, remember all the, all the way around the earth, they had pyramids all the way around. And they were all connected together somehow. 
they had electricity inside that pyramid because when you go in the pyramid, I've been in the, the one in uh, 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 the main pyramid, the biggest one. There's no, there's no marks on the ceiling anywhere in the tunnel where a torch, you know, it would. So evidently that maybe they claim that that's probably how they were creating the light with these jars. But I don't think so. I think they were doing it wirelessly. So with this electromagnetic flux generator that you've built in the last couple of years that you're using to power your home, I mean, what prospect do you have for that actually being something that could be commercialized or be mass released? My idea was to get known, you know, so that maybe I would, uh, one of the grid systems would pick it up and say, okay, put one of your power plants uh, on the grid. But it's always the same problem. Uh, financiers that come to us, you know, and say, okay, we'll put up the money to build the power plant and attach it to the grid. But then they come back in two weeks, our board of directors says, no, they changed their mind. And I found out these grid people, you know, they're, they're a cartel. They're, they're not gonna change the grid like we change our phones every year. The grid system is good for 50 years and 75 year leases. And they're by rich, wealthy families and organizations. They're not gonna let cheap anything in there. Look how long they kept the solar out, the solar panels. They kept them out for a long time. You couldn't, you couldn't even put them in uh, your houses around uh, uh, here in Phoenix. The homeowners wouldn't allow it on the roof. Uh, and now that the, you see people using solar panels, the electric company is charging them a penalty for using it, you see? Now, a, a year, a little over a year and a half ago, I built this one in my backyard. The one you just showed, Dan, that one? Okay, in a small shed. I, I, I took a long extension cord and I ran it out to the front of the house. I used it to charge my little electric car. And also, I, I attached it to my electric box, my meter, you know, after the meter there. The next day, I got a knock on the door from the electric company. Two gentlemen there. They said, sir, uh, do you have solar panels or a generator of any kind on your house? Uh, and I kind of panicked a little bit and I said, well, yeah, look, man, I, got, I, got a, uh, I got a little solar panel in the back. I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell them about my generator. Mm -hmm. They said, well, anything you attach to the house, whether it's solar or anything else, you have to have a permit and it has to be inspected by the electric company. That's the law here. So I disconnected, I took it off. And I know how they caught me because you see inside there, uh, uh, they don't read meters like the old fashioned way, Dan, like you and me used to you know, know about. The meter guy come around and look, read your meter all the time. They don't do that no more. It's all done from their office, from their uh, facility. And my, my sine wave is a little bit different from SRP sine wave. So they seen that different sine wave on there, just like the sine wave from uh, solar panels is a little different too. Every kind of different device other than what they're using, their generators, uh, their big generators, they're coal fired and oil fired and all of those. They have, a, they have a sequence of a perfect sine wave that they use. Anything else, uh, 
like one of the engineers told me, he says they, uh, they were having problems because uh, there was a law passed that if you have a lot of solar panels and you're using, uh, you're making more electricity than you're using, the electric company has to buy that from you, see? Well, they didn't like that idea. Uh, and when that, when that solar energy goes back in the line to them, they have a special setup there that lines it up with their sequence. So then everything works good, normal. Now, when I built my small one in the backyard, I had two problems I had to deal with. First of all, I couldn't go any higher than what I've got. I'm roughly around anywhere from six five to seven thousand watts. Okay, but my the back of my house is on Indian School Road. That's a very big highway right there, four lane. And across on the other side, way up there, there's you see the high voltage lines that they haven't changed yet. Eventually, those are supposed to be underground but they're, they're still there. So I'm between that and in the front of my house, underground out there is the underground wires that have been buried. You know, all the houses now in this area, no more poles or anything, everything is underground except for those high tension. Well, I'm right between the two. If, if, I, if my unit put out uh, more say if I double or triple the number of plates I'm using, my uh, my electromagnetic field is going to touch that electromagnetic field across the street. Now that's very high. That's that's uh, what, 30, 30, 30, I think thirty eight thousand volts there. So if it, if mine touches that, it's going to just fry everything I got. It's all going to burn up. So I had to be very, very careful putting this in my backyard. Uh, that's, that's why we're getting this bigger property where uh, I got over three acres. I can get far enough in the middle of my property to get away, away from any of the, uh, uh, the city line because mm -hmm. the city line out there in Wydell is buried down the street in the front of your property. So I can get quite a ways back from it because I'm gonna I'm gonna build a one megawatt one one megawatt, and then I'm gonna try to get the uh, UL people to give me a UL safety approval. I'm gonna surround it with chickens and some rabbits, and you know, I want them to uh, put white rats on the inside. Uh, they they have all these laws and everything. When it comes to electromagnetics, every 30 days, I've got to take one of the white rats in there and I got to dissect it, take the liver out and put it in one of the you, you know, uh, coal boxes that they give you. Um, you put the frozen uh, slats in there, you take it out of the freezer and then you put the liver in there, tape it up and send it to their laboratory. See, they want to know that my electromagnetic field is not dangerous, hmm. see? 
You wonder if the inspectors come out and they have a cell phone checking with the office. They're using a cell phone up to their head. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there's quite a, you know, the the fox are, foxes are guarding the hen house, so to speak, on uh, maintaining the status quo, mm. on uh, keeping keeping inventions like that from uh, being able to help humanity. So I, I guess from the perspective of a lot of my viewers now, I mean, they probably are feeling quite depressed because any attempts to come up with uh, these alternative energy technologies by inventors such as you, Dr. Schwartz, uh, experience all of these difficulties, inventors being killed or being persecuted in courts, having secrecy orders imposed on them, having to deal with utility companies that kind of come and uh, interrogate you if you're displaying any kind of uh, power generation that doesn't fit within their guidelines. So, you know, what's there to look forward to? Well, I've uh, after that incident of burning my car up, um, after that, I made uh, I made six DVD discs with the uh, technology on it, all the frequencies. Yeah, James, I don't know if you can hear us. Your your internet's freezing. Um, you left off, you made six discs, CD, CDs. Just um, scattered out around the world. If anything happens to me or my family, they're all going to go on the internet. Everybody on earth is going to have basically free energy. And I got the simplest one in there too. The easiest one to make would probably be the the compounds for the rods okay and then i got the technology in there for them to to build the plates and how to energize the plates and i even uh got a way to uh, do it where you can take a uh, uh, uh an am fm radio that you buy uh in the store take it apart use the circuits on it and buy it and then get a little small uh, frequency generator, which you can buy online, and how to wire it up. And set, and you, with those two circuits, you can give enough sequence to those plates to generate some electrons. That's the easiest way to do it, but it's very clumsy. Now, the way I'm doing it is much better. It's sad, brilliant minds like you you know, you uh, have to do a dead man switch in case something happens to you to be able to, you know, the deep state control mechanisms are global. It's international all over the world. It doesn't matter like you were trying to do in Japan. It doesn't matter if you were in uh, Tasmania or India or any country. There's these control mechanisms. Unless this deep state control mechanism is is removed, uh and 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 you and i know and michael as well that there's technologies that have been withheld that are in these uh classified projects that are so far advanced where every home and business can have a little unit the size of a shoebox that can give you multiple kilowatts yeah. and the grid is uh susceptible to a emp or a cme uh and they're ugly wires running all across the planet that's right. Uh, 
you know, we could have decentralized power and mass production of these units and, you know, cut the, <laughs> cut the cord from the power companies and everybody have independent power. I got the results of a, a, a think tank survey that was done on uh, why the government does what they do. And according to the, this think tank study that was done, if, say, my technology, say um, uh, they put it on every power plant all the way around the world, 90, 90, uh, 93% of the people employed, involved in it, everything all the way up to the highest blue collar and everything is, is unnecessary. It makes such a vast change at one time, it causes chaos. You see what I mean? That's, that's their reasoning why they, they wanna keep me away from the grid system until they're ready for me, you see? So I wanna have that you all approval. That's very important to me. Because, you know, Dan, a lot of people have come here to see my unit because nobody believes it. You know, I've had MIT out here. I've got uh, university engineers and all that came out here and I've got it suspended. So you, 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 no wires to it or anything, you see. I mean, it's obvious it works, you know. And I let them use, they can use a, a voltmeter or an amp meter, that's all. And they, um, this one guy that came out here a couple of months ago, he's seen my oscilloscope on the top shelf there and it, and it was turned off, but it's connected to my unit. And he says, well, can we turn on your oscilloscope? And I says, no, you can't. <laughs> well, it does seem that, um, you know, given everything you've described that the controllers still have this system in place where they're preventing energy um, inventors such as yourself from being able to achieve any kind of success. So it seems that what we're waiting for is some kind of major shift in the control system. And maybe this is where we get into this whole uh, question of the Earth Alliance versus the deep state, that the Earth Alliance representing this kind of progressive group of military, uh, government intelligence types working in unison to overcome the deep state. And once that happens, then not only will these repressed technologies be released that have been secretly developed in this kind of like compartmentalized world, but also inventors such as yourself will actually be helped so yeah. that you can actually get the funding and the support so that your inventions see the light of day and that you, you know, you obviously have a lot more to contribute. And rather than having to kind of like hide and be protected from these kind of like sinister agencies that you're actually being supported and helped. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to see people like you becoming celebrities in the future because of all your inventions. Well, I don't, I don't care about that. I just, I just want to leave me alone. You know, leave me in my little research area. Um, they, I, I've been on the internet ever since it started. My cell phone is the same as when the first cell phone came out, the same number. I mean, I've been around a long, long time, you know, and I, I try to stay under the radar, you know. I don't want all that attention or anything. I've, um, I've seen too much crap out there that I could spend days telling you about 
some stuff that I've seen. It just, it's unbelievable, especially in India. Uh, I was hired by somebody in India there to go there and to check a very, very um, elaborate device that's supposed to produce electricity. Well, when I went there, I showed them how it, how phony it was because I, I revealed how they're doing it. You know, it was just a scam, you know, and this, they're all over the internet. You, you, I know you, Dan, you've seen all that crap on there, you know, and they saying, uh, especially when they're got all these moving parts and belts, they got a generator and you got a, uh, a motor and now uh, you're using a battery to, to power it and they claim that more power out than power in and that's a bunch of bull. it doesn't work that way uh, the closest thing i've ever seen to anything that's that's uh, halfway decent had a three thousand pound flywheel on it now that was pretty impressive <laughs> um, it was a, a guy right here and uh, uh nebraska had one in his barn he, he made that 3,000 uh, pound cement fly, flywheel and balanced it and everything. And when it gets going, it's good, you know. But sooner or later, you pay for it. You see what I mean? It's not going to run forever. Um, and what they don't like about mine is it's, it's electromagnetic. Well, when they attack me because my electromagnetics, I tell them, well, look, it's been around for billions of years. And, and they say, well, what do you mean for billions of years? Look at the lightning. Lightning builds up in the clouds, okay? It builds up and sooner or later, there's so much of it there, it's got to strike the ground, okay? Just like, Cross putting a wrench across your battery in your car, it's going, you're going to get a fire there, you know, spark. Um, well, that's the way the earth is made. That's the way God made the earth. The earth's a magnetic field, you see. Um, that lightning builds up until it reaches a point and it's got to strike the earth. It's the same way. When you, I help to entertain you sometime and actually come here and see what I've done. I would love to meet you face to face. <laughs> uh, but if I didn't have those six little, see, I got six panels in there. When Dan showed it to you, you'll, you'll see the plates, there's six sets of plates in there. Okay, each one of those plates has a little fine wire, it's a speaker wire attached to it. And it's going out and into the ground. And I have some special ground devices on there not ordinary not like putting an iron and a rod in the ground and you see those red wires in there those red wires one of those is attached to each plate now if i didn't have those my unit would do exactly the same thing as lightning does it would keep building and building and building after a certain time until it would burn itself up you see, you have to work with the earth. That's the way God designed it. Tesla found out that and they mocked him, they made fun of him and everything. 
when he tried to tell them that. Nobody would believe it. But it's, it's if you're gonna uh, use the earth's field, just like the Egyptians were doing, okay? You gotta do it properly. All of these power plants that we have all the way around the world, do you, do you know what they're doing to the earth? They're actually damaging the earth we live on because of the way they're producing power. The natural way to produce power is just like lightning. Exactly what I'm doing here. It's simple, it's easy. And I've just begun. Right now, if I didn't have Dan sometimes to talk to, I'd go nuts. <laughs> I, I'd, 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 be, I'd go crazy. I got somebody to talk to, to, under, to help understand a little bit, you know? And I learned a lot from him, from listening to him, you know? Um, I, and I, right now, I think I found a missing thing in my technology that Dan is working with on those crystals. That's why I'm very anxious to learn more. I'm like a, like a sponge. I want to soak up some energy there. And I think that's going to make a lot of difference in my technology. Yeah, he's very well, interested in uh, what Elena has been bringing forth in uh, crystal technology from yes. uh, Gorhan's uh, brother, Jenhani Redion. Uh, and we're going to be uh, bringing forth more information on crystals and on going to be sharing that with uh with james so yeah uh you're doing also doing work with regeneration with uh in water tubs yeah with uh with rife frequencies um something uh something i'm familiar with i used to build rife generators a long time ago uh tap onto that uh briefly well michael you and i have something in common we're both know the medical field okay I'm, I'm gonna build a, a, a chamber right now. It, it's, it's not as good as a med bed, but I'm gonna fill it with salt water. And the whole idea is to use Royal Rife technology, uh, an altered Royal Rife generator and send those frequencies through the water. And the patient gets all the way down in the water and breathes just like he was, uh, scuba diving and sits on the bottom okay now instead of the uh these royal rife generators are a joke as far as i'm concerned because they go through one hand through the other and off the other side they don't get the organs of the body and when you stand in the pan they go through one leg around it that way okay frequencies are a lot like uh electricity seeking the, the line of least resistance because there's parts of the frequency that mankind hasn't learned about yet that Tesla did. He found out that you can actually collide frequencies too. If, if they would give me two hours at the cyclotron to run a couple of tests, I could show them how to, to power the whole world. Well, I'm sure people there's look an forward answer. to that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure people look forward to these inventions. I've actually went there I, when I went. There. Well, they, when you're the little guy like me and Dan, you know, we're doing these little things, you know, they look down at you like, hey, you know, you're not a, a, a physicist. 
She, uh, you don't have the billion dollar laboratory. Um, you, don't, you don't know what you're doing, you know. Well, they, I think what you're doing is very important work. And I certainly think that people want to know more about how Tesla's technologies can be applied today. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of really important work in, in bringing those principles into realization with these inventions. So I, I want to kind of bring this to a close. So Dan, any kind of final words you want to say about uh, James and his inventions? No, this has been uh, this has been an honor to bring uh, my friend uh, Dr. James Schwartz on, and and also the first time being able to share my story, how I got involved, and in all these scientists and inventors, and. Uh, and you know, bringing awareness. You know, if people aren't aware of the suppression that uh, has been going on for decades, and that we've had solutions, and that there is a, a global control that uh, will, one way or another, make sure that you're still using gasoline, you're still paying for the power company, still using dangerous, obsolete technologies, um, and it hasn't been needed for decades. And, um, um, you know, the more awareness we need to educate the public, which is what you're doing an incredible job, Michael, uh, of these possibilities exist and what, what exists in the uh, unacknowledged special access programs is far beyond, you know, what most uh, civilian scientists and inventors with the but limited budgets that they have have been created, you know, not to mention assistance from off-planet cultures. So uh, it's it's been my honor to uh, to join you and uh, bring on uh, Dr. Schwartz. Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you, Dr. Schwartz. I, I feel it a great privilege to get to meet you. I know, I know a lot about you, you know, from the internet and all, but uh, this first time I actually got to see you in person. Uh, you know, I look at myself as a very small part of the cog in the whole system. You know, I got so much to learn. Um, I'm, I'm going to be changing my plates even pretty soon here. Those uh, plates are not going to, no longer going to be shaped like they are. They're going to be round like a disc, you know, just like a, an old phonograph record is what it's going to look like with a hole in the center. And um, it's going to work at least five, six times better than the one I'm working with now. I just got to, uh, I have to do it slowly. You know, I don't have the billions of dollars, you know, and, and all the money to do things. And since I'm kind of the, the um, out of way type scientist, you know, I don't can't go to my books and get all the information, you know, and that I need sometimes because it's not in there, you know. Uh, can, can people find you? Can people, do you have, can people find you on the internet if they wanted to contact you, if they wanted to support you? Where do they go? Uh, Dan can give you my uh, fluxpowertechnology.com and you'll, and you'll see the drawings of uh, the one megawatt that I'm going to build. Um, uh, and I'm, since I'm doing it with all my own money and everything without any help, it's going to take me a little while. It's going to take me a couple of years to build it. 
but I know I know I can put out at least one megawatt, maybe a megawatt and a half, because there's some new materials coming out now. Uh, this new graphene technology, I'm very interested in it. Uh, I've already added it to my research, and uh, I think it's going to make a big difference. Well, look forward to what the future brings, and uh, your work certainly is something that's going to bring about uh, some really big changes once you get the support and the and what, whatever the deep state undergoes in the future. I think it's going to uh, lead to people like you being able to get the support to release a lot of really life-changing technology. So again, thank you. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.